right. How's everybody doing this morning? Man, you guys look good, sounding good over there. I can hear everybody singing from the front row, and you guys sound awesome. People right behind me, not all that. No, I'm kidding. Everybody sounded great this morning. Good to see you on the first Sunday of 2018 in the Lord's house, right where you need to be. You're starting it off really well. And if you're a guest here today, let me reiterate what I know you already heard, that we're so glad you're here. And the one thing, the only thing we ask guests to do, we don't single you out in any way, is just let us know you're here. Just fill out that card. And on the back, tell us what we could pray for you about. We specifically read every single card, pray over every single card, and we'll be praying for your family this week. So if you're new to Daystar, fill that out. Let us know that. I want to just greet our Hartzell in Madison and our online campus right now. A lot of people worshiping with us together. Can we clap our hands all together as one big church serving God together? Good, 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 good. Hey, um, so today um, I'm going to be kicking off a new series called Positive ID, and that is about you identifying who you are. You know, it's, it's one thing for a lot of other people to not know who you are, and they, don't, they judge you wrong, and they don't have a good grasp of who you really are, but uh, it's even worse when you don't know who you are. So I'm really excited to kick this series off. This is something that, uh, you know, I really it was birthed out of the heart of uh, one of our elders meetings, just volunteers of our church that are in leadership, and we just had a conversation. They probably don't even know it yet, but th- that conversation sparked me to do this series that talks about all the spiritual gifts that God has put in you and you identifying those gifts. Now, using those gifts can be done in so many different ways. One of those ways is through leading a group. Here at Daystar, we know that this big group right here, it's an awesome group to have us all together, but to really change your life, to really be who you're supposed to be, you need to be in smaller groups. And so Daystar is not a church with small groups. Daystar is a church of small groups. That's who we are. And so we'll have you know, over 100 groups available only if some of you will lead those groups or just host that group in your home or at a coffee shop or whatever. And so today's the day to get more information about that. Out in the lobby at all of our campuses, there are little tables that says small groups. They'll tell you, you know, here's some ideas of how to do a group, where to do a group, when to do a group. Uh, there's a coach that goes with you through the whole process, the whole, uh, the whole couple month process uh, of, of hosting a group in your home or whatever. So go by the table. If you've thought about doing it, we would love for you to do it. If you've done it before, we're counting on you doing it again. All right. Um, so l- l- let me show you my cool new phone. Isn't this cool? This is the 10. Don't, have, don't hate because you have the 8. I know. You wanted the 10. Um, and, and it recognizes my face. Isn't that awesome? I mean, they made a phone that knows this when it sees it. And, and uh, I don't have to sign in to anything. Like, as soon as it sees me, it signs me in. If I'm opening up a new app, boom, it just signs me in. If I'm going to a website, you know, that needs a login, boom, it sees my face and it knows it. And you pick it up, it's not going to let you use my phone because you don't have this, right? You've got that. That's fine what you get, but this is what I got, and this is what it sees. And so every time uh, I look at it, it doesn't matter where, if it's dark, if it's, you know, I, I was in a hunting stand and my face was all kind of covered up, it was real dark, boom, it just logged me in. It just knows my face because it took a really, really good look at me when I took it out of the box. It's like, look at it this way, look at it this way, look at it this way. I mean, it really figured out who I am. And I got to thinking about this phone, and I thought about you, and I wish you'd take a good look at you. I mean, it'd be great if others would take a good look at you. You ever feel like people are judging you because they don't really know your heart? They made a wrong judgment about what you're trying to do or what you said because they didn't really know your heart. That's bad. But what's tragic is when you make a wrong judgment about yourself. And I'm convinced that many of us do that all the time because we don't have a positive ID of who we are. 
We have a negative ID. You know everything that's wrong about you. You know all the stuff you wish you didn't say or didn't do. But did you know that a lot of your mistakes are tied to a strength that you just don't know how to deal with? A lot of what you do wrong is tied to a gift inside of you that was designed to do something very, very good and very positive and very powerful. And, and, and here's what I do know. I do know that you were formed and created by God on purpose. Before he even formed you, he knew you and had a purpose for you. The prophet Jeremiah tells us that. And so that made you different from everybody else. And some of your unique traits, some of the differences that are different about you, frustrate others. Can I get an amen? And it might even frustrate you. You look at yourself and go, why am I this way? Here's what I do know. You are that way on purpose. God wanted you to be different. And you might look at those differences as negatives. I'm here today to tell you that those differences are positives. And you need to establish a positive ID of yourself. You know, most of our struggles in life start with the question, why? And why did this happen to me? Why am I going through this? You know, the worst why of all is why do I act the way I act? Why do I do the things I do? Why do I keep saying what I keep saying? Why do I keep... You know, that kind of why goes back to why am I here, really? Because if you can figure out your why... Why am I here? Why did God put me here? What did he want out of me? Then you're going to be able to answer all those other whys. Why am I the way that I am? See, the, 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 the trick is knowing the, the, the why of your personality, the why of your behaviors, your likes, your dislikes, is all tied to why God made you. And, and here's a hint. You're made the way you're made because God wanted you the way you are. And you're going right now, you're going, wait a minute, you don't know my wife, man. She's pretty bossy. Okay, well, maybe she has a gift, a spiritual gift of leadership, and, and, and she doesn't know what to do with that just yet. Let's talk about you a little bit. You know, maybe you're a little bit angry, you know. Maybe you, you fuss at people. Maybe you, what if you have a fiery personality because there's a spiritual gift inside of you that was designed to accomplish something that nobody else in your family could accomplish, but you're frustrated and you're enacting that, that, that passion in the wrong direction because you don't know how to attack the right problem. That's why churches are the most beautiful and horrible places in the world. Because we're powerful. I mean, we're anointed by God with powerful, strong, supernatural gifts to change the world. And man, when we love each other and when we're in unity and we have a purpose in front of us and we get behind, it doesn't have to even be the best purpose. It doesn't have to even be the purpose you would have chosen. We just get in unity behind a purpose and we all do our things. We can change the world. But when we don't know who we are, we don't know what our role is, we're mad at this guy, we don't like to get along with that guy, then church is one of the worst places you could go. You ever heard a preacher say that? I'm telling you, that kind of church. Like a guy told me this morning, he said, I can't get my friend to go to church because he went to a, a church and he had a bad experience. I said, well, do you ever eat at a bad restaurant? I mean, I bet he got, off, you know, got back on the horse and ate somewhere else, you know? Get back into the, because the, 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 the Lord's house where people are united and, and have goals and they have a mission and they know what their role is, is the most, in fact, it's the hope of the world. The local church is the hope of the world. I believe it with everything inside of me. When we know who we are, when we know what our calling is. So today we're going to talk about those gifts inside of you. They're called spiritual gifts. 1 Peter 4 and 10. It says, each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. A steward is someone who doesn't own it but holds it temporarily. You're a manager of God's grace. That's what these gifts are. They're grace gifts. It's the original language. The Greek is the 
Charisma is the original language. You can tell that's where we get our word charisma from. And it means gifts of grace that bring extraordinary power. There's something inside of you. A gift from God. He's a spirit. You're his spirit children. You, you, you may look like flesh and, and, and your back hurts like it feels like flesh. But that's the temporary part of you. The eternal part of you is the spirit part. And that's the part God reasons with. That's the part God speaks to. And that spirit you is where these spiritual gifts come. Now, notice everybody's gift is different. It says that there are various forms. What that means is you get a gift that I don't get, and I get a gift that you don't get. And here's the deal. If it's a grace gift, how many of you know I need all the grace I can get? Raise your hand if you want all the grace God has for you. Amen. So guess where you get the grace? Not always just from God. It's not always just like God dumps it out of heaven in your prayer time. Sometimes God's grace is poured out on your life through someone else's gift. I don't know about you, but these wonderful uh, worship leaders today, they poured out some grace on me. I could just feel the grace. It just felt good. Changes the way I feel about my day when I feel that. There are people who, who are just, just loving people that, that greet and, and welcome you when you come to the house of God. They're pouring grace on you. Here's the deal. You need a lot more grace than you have. And the only way you're going to get it is to share your grace with me, and I'll share my grace with you. That's the only way it works. God, you know, God is this, like every loving father, he knows that you'll never be everything you're supposed to be until you learn how to share and get along with other people. But you have a problem sharing. Come on, if I three more amens, I'll move on. I got them. All right, all right. You do. I know you thought you were just all grown and you're mature and you got past that when you were seven years old, but you didn't. I mean, it's just a different kind of way. You know, I don't want to depend on anybody else. I can handle it my own way. I don't want to. No, that's a sharing issue. And see, the, the truth of the matter is, whatever it is you need in your life, God has provided it. He's put gifts inside of you. He's put some grace over you. But he didn't give it all to you. He gave some of it to me. He gave some of it to the other guy. He gave some of it to your spouse, some of it to your friends. And when we're in unity and we, 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 we complete each other, we, we're, we're full, well-rounded people because of the people around us. Now, these gifts look like this, Romans 12 and 6. I'm gonna get, there's a lot of places in the Bible you can find lists of gifts. We're going to focus on this list in Romans 12. It says we have different gifts according to, the, there's that word again, the grace given. See, when you have a gift, it's a grace gift from heaven that's given to each of us. And if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. See, all these gifts, I'm going to teach. I'm going to show you what all these mean. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. And if it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. See, these are, these are grace gifts, and each of you has some grace gifts. But the kicker is God won't give it all to you. He'll give you part of it, and he'll require you to share it. Now, here's what we're going to do over the next four weeks. I'm going to take these seven gifts. There were seven in there. I'm going to show you which one's yours. You'll figure it out on your own. Just by me teaching it, you'll figure it out. But there's a gift mix that you have, and these all come together. Like, you don't have one of those gifts. You have a mixture of those gifts. And one of those is a priority in your life at this season of your life. In a different time of your life, a different one of those gifts might be a priority. And, and why, do you, why do I want to know that, Pastor? Why, why do I, because when you know what your gift is and, and, and why God put it in the front, it'll give you a hint to what your destiny and calling in life is. I mean, think about it. If you know that you have a particular gift, it'll kind of show you what your assignment is. And the most important question of life, you know, someone said it this way, um, you know, you, you know the, the two most important days in your life is the day you're born and the day you find out why you were born. 
I think we would all agree to that, right? Why am I here? I think the number one way to find out why you're here is to find out what your spiritual gift mix is. All through the Bible, God says, I'm going to give you gifts. And they are your steward. You're, you're their steward. You're, you're the manager of that gift to do some things. Well, those things you're supposed to do, that's your, call, that's your life's purpose. That's your meaning. And so work backwards and find out what that gift is. So I want you to look at this list one more time. I'm going to show you the seven in here and, and, and see if, if you think any of these are you. The first gift, back in verse 6 and 7, the first gift is prophesying. Everybody say prophesying. That is not a guy who works for TBN and has a big white suit and throws it at people. That's not what a prophet is. All right? I'm going to show you what a prophet is. It's different. You hang in here. The second gift is serving. Everybody say serving. We're going to actually talk about that one today. The third gift is teaching. Everybody say it. Teaching. Say the next one with me. Encourage. That's a, such an important gift. Thank God for the encouragers. The next is giving. Everybody say giving. Now, we're all called to give, but some people have a special dynamic grace over it. Uh, the next gift is to lead. Everybody say leadership. That's an important gift. And then the seventh and last one is mercy. Everybody say mercy. I love that God put the last two together, mercy and leadership. Those two could not be more opposite. You ever had a leader in your life, maybe a boss or someone leading a team who seemed to have no mercy? You ever had one of those people? You know why they seem like they have any mercy? Because they didn't have any mercy. They didn't. I mean, we've had people take the spiritual gift test, which kind of tells you how strong you are in a certain gift, come back with a zero. One guy said, Pastor, I took the spiritual gift test. My test came back negative. That doesn't really happen. You can't come back negative. But you can come back with a zero in mercy. And it's really weird how sometimes the, the merciful people end up really close to the administrative or leadership people. It, it's so crazy. And, and, and one of the leadership couples, one of the leader couples in our church, he pegs out as an administrative leader, like over the top, very little mercy. She pegs out as, you know, these merciful people are the people who love everybody, you know, he wants everybody to get along, take in stray animals all the time, you know, can't find their car keys. These are the people. You know who they are, right? So she's like over the top with that gift, and she's married to a guy who's like all administrative. He's like, why did you bring another dog home? I mean, that, that, hey, I've already calculated what that's going to impact the budget. That was a bad idea, you know. It's, it's, it's neat how that God will put different people together, very uniquely different, because, listen, he knows there's a grace over this person, and there's a different grace over that person, and you need all of that grace. Somebody say amen. You need all the grace that God has in your life. And so if you get over to your little, you clump up in your little group of people who think like you, talk like you, act like you, and see the world like you, you're going to miss all the grace God poured out on that other group of people over there. That's why you can't do church by yourself. Ever since I went into ministry, I've been hearing it my whole life. Well, I don't have to go to the church. I mean, God, we can be church all by ourselves up on the mountain. I'll just have church, me and God. <laughs> you ignorant person, you can't do that. It's not possible. The word church literally means a group of people who were called out from all the mass and chaos of the world and came together to change the world. How do you come together with others by yourself? You, if so, we got a little room for you. It's padded. It's all white. I mean, there's a person going to come in there in a coat and help you. All right? You can't do that. If you got, you know... You have to get with other people. And to do that, you're going to have to humble yourself sometimes. You're going to have to put up with people. and You have to get along with people. And that's what the spiritual gifts are all about. It's you understanding someone else's gift. Let's talk today about the gift of serving. There are six more. Six more. There are six more of the seven. And I'm going to show them to you in the next coming weeks. But today, let's talk about the gift of serving. It, it means a helper or a servant or, or, or a, an assistant. Sometimes it's translated. And, and these people will help people accomplish big goals, maybe a leader that's over a, a ministry and they want to serve, but they also uh, help the needy. 
people that have a passion to help the orphan, the widow, the poor, very important. These people think of others first. Now, we're all called to help, but there are certain people who have a supernatural ability to get that thing done. Now, at Daystar, we take spiritual gifts so seriously. We've developed our own spiritual gift test where you fill it out, and it gives you the results of what your top spiritual gifts are. I really hope you'll take that test. You can get it in step three of our growth track. Growth track starts today, by the way. Actually, it's every Sunday. And step one is on the first Sunday of the month. Step two is on the second. And there are four, just like that. You can start any time. You can start at three and go three, four, one, two. You can do it in any order. But in step three, especially, we do this spiritual gift test. And it, it really, you get that, uh, that, those results and they tell you more about what that means about you. It's uniquely different for every, every person who takes it gets a different result. And it's uniquely different about you. And, and the number one result we get, by the way, is servant. I would encourage you to make one of your goals for 2018 to go through the growth track. And if you've already been, go back just to step three at least once a year. Because at different times in your life, different seasons, different assignments God has for you, you'll take that same test and you'll come out just a little different. It'll have all the same gifts, but they'll be in a different order. You know, one season in my life, servant was the number one for me because I had a different assignment. Today, that, that, if I took it right now, it'd be leadership because I have a different assignment than I had back then. You ought to ask yourself, what's my assignment? What's God called me to do? Man, I really hope that in these first 21 days of prayer that we do this, starting today, by the way, 21 days of prayer and fasting, you'll ask God, where, where do I need to go with my life? I, I don't really, I'm not a person that really believes in New Year's resolutions because they're kind of pie-in-the-sky hopes and dreams, but I really believe in goals. Goals that, if you understand how to set your goals and how to achieve your goals, they become a roadmap to where you're actually going to go. I just did a teaching to our staff um, on, on how to make goals and how to attain those goals. And I'm, I'm, it's available to you. I've got a YouTube channel. It's called Jerry Lawson Leadership Talks. You can go there and, and take a minute. It's, it's about a 30-minute talk. And, and, and set your goals. I would love for you to, one of the things I'm doing, I, you know, I, back in November, I wrote down what I thought my goals were going to be for 2018. But I'm going to refine that during these 21 days of prayer. And I would love for you to do the same thing. Go online and watch that. I'll push it out on social media. Be watching for it and, 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 and figure out who God's called you to be. And let one of those goals be that you're going to go through growth track and you're going to find out, you're going to align your spiritual gifts with what you do for your life. All right. Some people think unless they uh, you know, have a, a front uh, spotlight position that serving is not important. If you have the gift of serving, you don't have to be up front. You just want to be a part of something that makes a difference, you know? As I teach on this, I want you to determine, is this you? Your, your verse would be Ecclesiastes 9 and 10. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. The New Living Translation says it like this, whatever you do, do well. You know, I personally think that we should all be servants because Jesus is one day going to say to us, enter into the joys of the Lord. Uh, I, I, you've been a servant in a few ways. I'll make you ruler in others. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. The truth of the matter is we're going to all have to be servants. But many of us are called. Let me show you some of those strengths. See if this is you, okay? A, a person with the supernatural spiritual gift of serving works happily behind the scenes. They don't have to be seen. They don't have to be up front. They readily recognize the needs of others. Like if there's a group of people and, and, and somebody's got a need over here, like this one person will just kind of disappear and go take care of that need. They just, they just they, their head's on a swivel. They're noticing other needs. Now, if you're, you're like, well, I didn't know you needed that, this might not be your gift. Uh, they like to work on projects with immediate goals. 
because they like to see a job finished. They like short-term to-do lists. I like to get these things checked off and get them done. Um, they'll stop everything to help somebody in need. They'll just stop because they, they, they like to help. These, these are, you, you even see this with, with regular folks out in the community. You know, when it snows in North Alabama, everything shuts down, right? And we get a little bit of ice on the roads, we slide into the ditch, and then comes out the good old boys. The good old boy brigade, as I like to call them. You know, guys with four-wheel drives and chains, and they just are hoping that you slid into the ditch because they want to pull you out. They love helping people, and if they can help you and go while they're doing it, that's just even better, right? You know what that is? That's kind of a latent gift of serving. That person might not even be a believer. They may not even understand that gift yet, but underneath the surface the imprint of God is on their life, and they already want to do the things that they were meant to do. Once you know who you are in Christ, once you understand that gift, once you, you, you attack your future using the gifts of God, that little latent talent that you have or that little bit of a passion you've got, it's like it gets set on fire, and it can really change the world. Let me show you some of the weaknesses or potential weaknesses. See if this is you. They may seem pushy or hurried. You know, you want to talk and socialize, and this dude's running around. He's trying to get things done, right? That's a person who has the gift of serving. They got a to-do list. They want to get that thing done. Y'all talk later. I got stuff to do. They have trouble delegating or trusting others. They may have 10 things to do. There's someone right there who could help, but they're just like, I got to do this. I want to get it done well. They have a hard time trusting someone else to get it done. Some of you guys are already seeing that I'm talking about you. They have a problem saying no. They get up in the morning, they've got 47 things to do today. They can't possibly get them all done. And as soon as you get to work, could you help me with this? Sure. I'll, I'll be happy to. I've got other things. And, and you have a problem doing that. And one of the biggest mistakes, one of the biggest weaknesses of a person like this is if they don't understand and recognize their gift. Now, now by the way, you were meant to be this way. God designed you to be this way, but he wants you to discipline your life so that these pitfalls don't mess up your, your calling, your assignment. So here's the thing I like to tell people who have a hard time saying no. Hey, you're going to be a person who helps a lot of people, and we want you to help a lot of people for the rest of your life. So, so don't wear yourself out today and get yourself all you know, frustrated at the rest of the world because you're overworked, and then you're not serving people for the rest of your life. You've got to take care of you so that you can take care of all these other people that you feel a heart for. So they work so hard. Here's the last weakness. Sometimes they work so hard that they, they lose sight of the big picture. And that's the scariest part of the whole thing. Is you forget that God's called you to something bigger, that God's presence is more important. Let me show you a few biblical examples of this person. Nehemiah, I think, is a, is a good example. Nehemiah was the guy who rebuilt the, the wall around Jerusalem, and that was certainly a leadership trait. But before he did that, he was just a servant for the king. David, everybody remembers him as this great warrior who killed Goliath and led the kingdom. But for years, he was a servant to King Saul. And, and then, of course, there's Jacob. You know, Jacob was a prime minister over Egypt, even though he wasn't a native Egyptian. But before all of that, he was just a faithful servant. All of these were, were men who went on to do great things in their own right, but before they did that, they had a season of humble serving. Hey, maybe you want to do some big things. You want to change the world. You know where you start? Get on your knees. Serve someone else's vision. I mean, humble yourself and do something somewhere else. The Bible says that if you humble yourself in private, God will reward you out in the open. Another thing I noticed about all three of these men is they all served ungodly men. Think about that. 
I mean, David served Saul, who was a, a, a scoundrel. Nehemiah served a pagan king. And, and, and by the way, so did Joseph, served a pagan king. And yet, they served them and did the very best they could. Let me tell you this thing about your gift. Your gift is not about the other person. It's about you. It's about you finding your assignment and saying, I'm going to do this. Well, I, I hear people who have struggles with some of our generosity sometimes. Well, you know, sometimes aren't we being generous to people who are, you know, they could earn more money, they could take care of themselves? Aren't we giving away Christmas gifts to people who are wasting their money on other things like that? You know what my answer is? Yep. Sure we are. I mean, that's a whole parable of the tares and the wheats. Go look it up and read it yourself. But Jesus said, basically, you be who I've called you to be. I'll work on the other guy. I mean, I wanna, I, I'm going to be generous because God's called me to be generous. Now, I don't want to throw it away. I want to invest it in a great church like Daystar, who I can see in front of my eyes is doing wonderful things with it. But the bottom line is this. I'm not char in charge of all the things in the world. I'm in charge of who God's called me to be. Let your gift be between you and God. Don't let it be judged based on who receives it or who doesn't receive it or who's worthy of your gift or who's not worthy of your gift. You say, this is who I'm called to be. Let me tell you about another lady, one more person, who's a biblical example of a servant. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. It says, now it happened as they, came, uh, as they went along that he, that's Jesus, entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him to her house. She had a sister called Mary who, was, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted. Everybody say distracted. She was distracted with much serving. She had the spiritual gift of serving. And she approached Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. One thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken from her. I can tell immediately that Martha is a servant. She has the gift of serving. She likes to do her to-do list because she goes to Jesus and she's telling on others who aren't doing anything. That's how you can tell a servant, I'm doing all this stuff, why don't you get busy? <laughs> and she might even be an administrative person because she scolds Jesus. Don't you even care? I mean, she, she, I, love, I love Martha. She's very different from Mary. I think really this, this, this story kind of shows you the difference in the two. Like Martha is over here. She realizes Jesus, Jesus. The Son of God, Jesus, is coming to our house. Let's clean the house. Can we just clean the house? I mean, let's feed him. And when people find out that Jesus is coming, 50 people are going to be in our house. They're going to be knocking over stuff. They're going to be thirsty. They're going to be hungry. Let's get busy working. Now, Mary's over here. She's like, ooh, Jesus is here. La-di-da-di-da, Jesus is here. She's this free-spirited person. No question about it. She has the gift of mercy. I can tell you 100%. Maybe the prophetic gift too because she loves the presence of God. She doesn't care if the house is clean. She doesn't care if there's any food on the table. Jesus is here. She's going to sit at his feet. That's all she does. Now Martha loves Jesus. Let me just stop you right here and tell you. In this story, Jesus never tells Martha to stop being Martha and be like Mary. No. We need Marthas. We need people serving. We need people to, I mean, Martha's over here. She's simply saying, listen, I want to be at Jesus' feet too, but I, I, I want, you know, you, for instance, when Jesus walks through the door, they got to wash his feet. Well, there's got to be a pail of water there. Somebody's got to do that, right? I mean, when Jesus comes in, he's going to eat. Somebody, so what Martha is simply saying is, let's all do the work. Let's just team up, get all the work done. Then we can all be at Jesus' feet. And what Mary is saying is, woo, I'm going to be at Jesus' feet. Jesus is in the house. I'm just going to be at Jesus' feet. 
I mean, so I honestly, I'm a little bit more of a Martha. Could you tell I'm slanting the story a little bit in her favor? <laughs> I'm sorry, Jesus, uh, if I got that wrong. But, I, you know, I can relate to her a little bit better. But here's her problem. When, when, when your life is about just getting it all done and getting it all perfect, it will never all get done. Listen to, uh, you are talking to Martha. Listen to me. I'm telling you, I know you will never get it all done. You know what will happen? Jesus will have come and gone while you were preparing for him, and you missed the whole thing. I, I, I get the frustration with Mary, because Mary doesn't even know we need food until she's like, I'm hungry. We got any food? <laughs> yeah, we need some food. I was over here fixing for Jesus. So you, you know. But there's something special about Mary's love for Jesus that Martha needed. Now, there's something special about Martha's work ethic that Mary needed. Can I get an amen on that part, too? That's why the gifts are necessary. Now, now, just be honest just for a minute. How many of you are more like Mary? You're a little bit more of the free spirit. You love the presence of God, and, and, and you're not as much like Mary. You're more, more, not like Martha. You're more of a Mary. Raise your hand. Come on. I know there's a lot of you in here. Come on. A lot of, a lot of Mary. That's awesome. Love God's presence. How many of you are more of the rule follower? Let's get this thing done, and you might miss the big picture. You're more like Martha. 100% of the time, more hands are going to come up for Martha every single time. Because we need a lot more people getting it done, right? So God always gifts us uh, in, in ways that establish his full picture, all right? He always does that. But Martha, you, you Marthas, me included, we've got to be careful that all of our doing doesn't get our life out of balance. We get so busy doing that we forget about being. Come on, somebody, listen to that real carefully. Don't you spend 2018 so focused on doing that you forget about being. In the teaching I gave that, that, uh, that I mentioned is available on YouTube right now about how to set and establish goals, I said you need about 7 to 10 goals for the year. If I'm not careful, all 10 of those goals will be do this, do this, do this. That's how my nature... Uh, hey, God built me to be a doer. There's nothing wrong with you being like that. There's nothing wrong with you uh, having that kind of, a, of, a, of an alignment with your life. What is wrong is when you don't balance your life with his presence. When you don't balance your life with other, you know, there, there should be other people in your life that you aspire and you learn from them. That's their grace poured out on your life. So let me show you a couple warning signs. If you're one of those servants, a couple warning signs. And some of you, this is what's so funny. I've been preaching for like, like 75% of my sermon is over, and you haven't filled in any blanks, and you Marthas are like, where's the blank? <laughs> Come on, I want to put in the blank. I did that just for you. That's good, y'all, that's good. That's my favorite part of this sermon. Come on up to the piano. All right, number one, you're losing sight of the main thing. Because that's what verse 40 said, Martha was distracted. Everybody say distracted. With, with much serving, it said she was distracted with much serving. So the very thing that God called and equipped her to do, this serving gift, distracted her from the main thing. That's why we're starting this year off, as we do every year with 21 days of prayer and fasting. It begins today, today, right now. We begin. You've been a part of this prayer experience. We pray. Start and join us tomorrow morning. 6 a.m. Monday through Friday is a prayer service, live worship, a short teaching on prayer, and then a prayer time. 6 to 7, Monday through Friday, and 9 o'clock on Saturday for 21 days. For you to say, God, who are you calling me to be this year? God, I just want to be with you. Before I go out and I'm going to do, 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 do all these things, I want to be, be, be in your presence. 
And, and, and if you can't be here, I really hope you'll try to be here. But if you can't be here, we'll, we'll broadcast it live. Uh, we'll simulcast it. And it'll be available through the Daystar app or on your computer or Facebook or whatever. You can find it that way. We're going to be working through this book, 21 Days with Jesus. And uh, I wrote this book directly out of my devotional time with God. I've spent many, many mornings with God. 21 of those mornings that were my favorite mornings specifically was something Jesus said to me in those mornings. And I put those in this book. And if you buy one, 100% of the proceeds will help students. If you can't afford to buy one, we've actually, uh, Amazon allows us to give them away free for a short promotion. So the Kindle version is going to be free just for this week. But I, I didn't tell you that last week because I want you to buy the book. I want you to help Daystar College, all right? I want you to help Daystar College. I've donated it to Daystar College, so I want you to help Daystar College. So buy a book. But join us in this 21 days of prayer and fasting. Now, fasting, why do we fast? That's the most crazy thing. Why would anybody just give up what they want? Well, here's the thing. In your body, is a, in your life, is a war between flesh and spirit. Flesh is temporary. You may look this day, way today. You're going to look different tomorrow and 10 years from now until this flesh dies and it's gone. That, that, that death might be when you're 10 years old or 100 years old, but this flesh is temporary. The spirit, on the other hand, is made in the image of God, and it's forever. Let me ask you one simple question. Who is running the ship? Who is, who is driving your car, your flesh or your spirit? Is your flesh telling your spirit the kind of woman or man you're going to be, or is your spirit telling your flesh the kind of person you want to be? I bet you know the answer to that right now. It's easy. You know the answer. You don't have to tell me. But for most of us, it's a major battle. The flesh wants to tell my spirit who to be. My spirit says, be forgiving, be free, be loving, be generous, make a difference in the world. That's what my spirit wants to say. My flesh says, sleep late, eat more than you need to. Look at pornography, be judgmental, talk about others, gossip on Facebook. That's what my flesh says. Well, fasting is a way for you to say, flesh, you will not determine my future. My spirit man's going to determine my future. And so you starve the flesh and feed the spirit. There's a lot of different ways you can do it. Most of our pastors will be doing like a liquid fast where we don't eat any food, solid food for 21 days. And, and, and some will be doing like a um, Daniel fast, which is a healing fast. You should read about that. Some people will fast social media because they say, you know what, that's a very fleshly thing and I need to get control of that. And I'm going to kill it for 21 days. There's a lot of different ways for you to fast. Go to daystarchurch.tv slash prayer and fasting. Read about it. Pray about what God wants you to do. You could start, well, you know, I already ate a big breakfast this morning. That's okay. Do 20 days and a half of fasting, okay? Just jump on board. Don't let any excuse tell you you can't do it, all right? So don't lose sight of them. The main thing is don't let your life get so busy that you lose sight of what you were put on this planet for, all right? Here's the, other, the only other one I want to share with you today. It comes out of verse 41 where Jesus said, Martha, you are worried. And you're troubled about many things. Write this one down, number two, worry. When I, when I first wrote these notes, I put too much worry. That's a warning sign that things are out of balance. You have too much worry in your life. And then I heard the Holy Spirit say, no, I don't want any worry in your life. So any worry at all, that's a warning sign to you, Martha's, you servants, people who serve, help others. Any worry, what it's saying is, I'm in control. The word worry is a Greek word, merizo, and it means to divide into parts. That's what worry does to us. It breaks us apart 
in, into fear and anxiety and stress and pressure. How, how do I fix that? What, what, what do I do when I'm stressed out and I got too much pressure? What did Jesus tell Martha to do? Stop what you're doing and come and be with me. Come on, everybody say stop and come away. Say it again. I want you to get this. Say stop and come away. One more time, I want to hear it all our campuses. Say stop and come away. Now, I started right off with the servers, people who have a heart of a servant. That's most of the people in the room. Because every one of you right now, you already are thinking to yourself, man, I can't add another hour's activity every day for three weeks. I've already got all these other things to do. <laughs> can you tell that you're the very one who needs to add prayer? Can, can, listen, if you, have to, if you have to commute or you have some other, I, I'm not judging if you can't physically be in the room, but you need to set aside time to be with God. You absolutely do. And the ones of us, gosh, I'm preaching to me today. The ones of us who have so many reasons why we don't have time for that, we're the ones who need it the most. You marry people, you just float around all the time with Jesus. I ain't worried about y'all. You wait till I preach on you in a couple weeks. I'm going to light y'all up. I'm going to tell you right now, Kip, I'm going to get you. Floating around in Jesus' presence all the time. People like me, you Marthas, we have to stop worrying. The only way to stop worrying is to get in the presence of God. Let me read you this last verse one more time. Verse 42 says, one thing is needed, Mary. Uh, uh, Martha, one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that one good thing. And it will not be taken away from her. I think Jesus wants to tell you, there are some things that he could give you that cannot be taken from you. Martha's over here trying to clean the house. How many of you have ever cleaned a house? You know that no matter how clean it gets, that cleanliness will be taken away from you. Can I get an amen? Because you've got children like mine who have a spiritual gift of messiness. That's their spiritual gift. just naturally happens when they went into the room. It's going to be taken away from you. You can, you can cook a giant meal and feed everybody, and everybody's satisfied. How many know that satisfaction will be taken away? Because you can get hungry again. You, you can work really hard, get all the bills paid. It feels so good to write that last check, and, and there's actually still money in the bank. It feels good. But that feeling is going to be taken away because there's, a, there's another bill in the mail on its way to you right now. But there are some things that can't be taken. Man, you, you can get over that addiction. You can kick that sin to the curb. That temptation's coming back. But God's presence will never be taken from Ask yourself this question. How much of my time and energy is spent amassing things that will be taken away from me? And how much time is spent on things that cannot be taken away? Jesus said, Martha, you're worried about many things. But Mary found the one thing that could never be taken from her. I want you to find that same thing, church. Would you bow your head with me at all of our campuses right now? I know our I want to pray for you and we want to have a moment of prayer. Our campus pastors are going to do that at our other campuses. Can I ask you real pointedly one question? Are you as close to God today as you want to be? As you, are you as near to God today as you've ever been in your life? See, to, to me it's really, really simple. If I'm not closer than I've ever been, so maybe I've backslidden, I've fallen away from God. Clearly, I need to confess that. I need to make that right. 
But maybe I'm just not closer today than I was before. Well, then that makes me a little bit complacent, and I need to confess that. Are you as close to God today as you need to be? Or could you say, in 2018, I want to get closer to God. I want to put some sin behind me. I want to control this addiction that threatens to control me. I want to be more generous. I want to be more loving. I want to forgive someone that I've had a hard time forgiving. I want to have faith to believe for a miracle that has just not happened yet, and I'm having a hard time still believing it. Is that you right now? Because I want us to pray for those things. Would you lift up your hand? I need those things. Come on, hold them up high. It's a lot of hands. It's a lot of people. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray over every person, every hand raised. I pray that we draw closer to you. Church, say this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I want to be close to you. And I pray that you would forgive me for every step I took away, every failure I took in 2017. Come on, say it boldly to God. Say, every mistake I made, I confess and I lay it at your feet. Now wash and cleanse me, God. Give me a heart of compassion, heart of faith, and help me to be who you've called me to be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now go ahead and pre-praise him right now. Pre-praise him. Praise him before you see it all happen. God, I praise you right now before I see it all happen. In fact, why don't you get up on your feet, everybody in the room right now. I want us to start today with a season of prayer for you for everything God wants to do in your life, all right? Um, I'm, I'm trying to think about the order and, and the best way to do this, but um, here, here's what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to, I'm going to, I want to pray for everybody here. Like, I, I want everybody to come up to the front in just a minute, and I want to pray for every person here. There's something about this, this message about us being one and being uni in unity that's important, but we need to do that. Like, I want you up here in the front, so you're literally where I could pray right you're in spitting distance although I'll, I'll, I'll try not to spit I will try I want you to come up but before we do that we need I want, I want you to have an opportunity to to worship and giving all right so I'm going to change the order up just a little bit Derek I'm going to change the order if that's allowed um, I'm going to change the order and we're going to take a moment right now and we're going to be as generous as we can let me tell you uh, one of the big things that we've set for a goal for our church in 2018 is to double the enrollment of Daystar College you know that, 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 that something like 87% of all 20-somethings in America today say church and God doesn't matter to me? Is that crazy? What we need is as many 20-somethings as we can find serving God. Don't you like looking up here and seeing all these 20-somethings leading worship? Uh, can you give these guys a hand if you appreciate young people leading you week after week after week? Young people like you and me, Karen, and all these other young people out here. <laughs> All of, uh, all of those young people serving. Well, one of our big goals is, is, is Deshart College to double its enrollment. And when you give every week, you're giving to those kinds of goals. So I wanted to tell you that before we come forward for prayer. If you're a newcomer to Daystar, please, 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 I hope you filled out that card. Drop it in the bucket so that we can be praying for you. And, and if you're a newcomer, we're not asking you for any money at all. All right? Let me pray over our offering and we're going to give it. Father, I pray today for what we give that you bless every giver because they're being generous, they're sacrificing to do it, bless their home, their children, their family, help them with their mortgage, their car payments, all the things that are screaming at them and saying, keep this money, they're overcoming it and saying, no, I'm gonna give it. God bless all those areas and take care of them. And now God, take what they give and let it bless the world. And all God's children said, amen. Get the bucket on this side. 
pass it over. And as soon as it passes you, I need everybody to come up front because I'm going to pray for you. I need every single person. Come up here in the front. We're going to pray. Come on, sing it together. Jesus, Jesus, you silence fear. Come on, squeeze in. There's a lot of people. Make room. Get real close. Do something for me. Since you were raising up your hands and you you don't even know all these people. I, I love that you're worshiping. You're like close to everybody. You're just like up in here tight with people. They got on heavy coats. It's kind of been warm in here. They're sweating. Maybe some of them. Aren't you glad you put on your deodorant this morning? Don't you wish that other person had? <laughs> you're just close. And, and you know, we are in such a dis like a disconnected society. Nobody wants to go to the store anymore. They want to order it online. Nobody wants to get close. But the body of Christ has to be close. You've got to love people you, that, that you don't necessarily agree with and that you don't see things the way they do. You, you've got to pray for them and they've got to pray for you. They've got a gift of grace in them that you need. You have a gift of grace in you that they need. These kind of moments are important. Like I'm, I have a reason I want you all squished in. I knew we couldn't all fit up here. I wanted you close to each other. I want you to pray for each other. I want, you to, I want you to believe, the Bible says that we'll pray one for another that all things are possible. There's somebody beside you like, like he looks like he's got it all together. He's smiling, he's dressed well, he looks like it's, but his world is caving in on. I promise you guys, I do this for a living for the last 20 something years. I know people, I know people. There's somebody in a room this big with this many people, somebody doesn't know what they're going to do this time tomorrow. That might be the person who looks like they got it all together standing right beside of you. So let's get even a little more familiar. Just put your hand on somebody's shoulder right there beside you. And as I lead this prayer, would you pray for God to, look at me, I'm not asking God to help them to make it one more week. We're asking God to blow their mind. I mean, pay the mortgage off. Give them a new job and a pay rate. I mean, if the doctor comes back and says, man, it was on the last test, it's not even on the test. That kind of prayer, that's what we're going to pray. Would you pray that with me right now? Father, we have come together today to lift up the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus. And so, God, I pray right now for every man, every woman, every child in this room right now. And we're agreeing our faith together. We're touching one another, just like the New Testament says we ought to. We're praying for each other. 
touching one another with our faith. And I pray for miracles, signs and wonders, God. I pray that you heal broken places, God. Marriages that are not in bad shape, they are upside down broken, that you mend them. For people who are not struggling with a uh, maybe a, a, a temptation, but they're addicted right now. God, would you take control today, God? Would you sweep into this room right now and do the miraculous things that only the hand of God could do? Lord, I trust you, and I believe there's no one like you, and there's nothing you can't do. There's no mountain so high that you won't take us over it, God. There's no fear so great that you won't shine a light on it. I need somebody to give me some agreement and tell me to say amen. Father, I believe that in this room today, you're going to turn our entire destiny around if we have the faith to believe it. Now, if you believe it, everybody say amen, and give God your best praise so far.